Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Hey, do you want to survive or do you want to thrive? We're in part two of our series, I Will Thrive. And yes, we intend fully for you to imagine that great song from the 70s. At least I hope it was the 70s. I will survive. Just erase survive and put thrive. Because it's not just about your survival. It is about your (laughs) thrival. (laughs) Things would be so much better with a live studio audience to laugh along with me. Uh, Today, the title of the message is The Principle of Devotion. And you probably don't often think about uh, devotion as a word. In fact, it's not a word that occurs a lot in the Bible. Um, even the Greek word that it comes from only only happens a couple of times in the Bible, but nonetheless, uh, it, it, it is there. And as a principle, of course, like all biblical principles, they're, they're practically sown all throughout God's Word. And so the question I want to start with today is this, who or what are you devoted to? Now, I'm going to bet that that's not a question you have asked yourself recently, um, and if you have, good for you. I appreciate that you already have. So let's just start with this then, a basic definition. And not a new modern definition, but an old school like Merriam-Webster from the 1800s definition of devotion. So first of all, it is religious fervor or piety, an act of prayer or private worship usually used in plural. So for example, during his morning devotions. It is a religious exercise or practice other than, now important here, other than regular corporate worship or the worship of a congregation. Now part two of it referring to corporate. Now that is the act of of dedicating something to a cause, enterprise, or activity. The act of devoting. Devotion of a great deal of time or energy. The fact or state of being ardently dedicated and loyal to a cause or to a purpose. These are the definitions of devotion that we're going to run with today. And the definition that we tend to live in, sadly, is the latter instead of the former. The first one talks about an act of private worship, prayer, private worship, reflection, those sorts of things. But where most of us would think about the term devotion will actually be in more of a corporate sense. And we often will substitute a word like dedicated. He's very dedicated to his hockey team. He's very dedicated or she's very dedicated to dance. Those are the words we typically use. But what we're talking about here is this very important word, devotion. And so what are you devoted to? What are the objects, or maybe even better to say, what are the subjects of your devotion? And even better still, actually, what is the substance of your devotion? And But what I mean by that is, what is the goo that comes out of you out of your life when times are hard and pressed and stressed and you're put to the test. Yes, that's almost a white man rapping, but not quite. So these times we live in are certainly unique and they often seem to lack consistent good judgment from those around us, even sometimes in those who are in leadership over us. Of course, I'm not speaking about the leadership of Generations Church. We are stellar (laughs) on our good days. Um, But in the world around us, I mean, there's a lot of kind of divided words coming out of one mouth. We don't know what's safe or what's not safe. It's hard to know who to trust. If If you follow the media at all, you know exactly what we're talking about. And so I think that what happens to us is the news becomes more about death than life, even though literally in the world there is more life than death happening all around us. 
uh, the world's population is growing. Now, we're speaking in physical senses, of course. In the spiritual predicament of life, we may actually be on the wrong side of that. And maybe there is a little more death than life. But I want you to know that the early church faced things much more dangerous than what we're facing right now. They faced times that were even more unpredictable when politics would cost someone their life based on their beliefs on a daily basis. And so they faced death and persecution for their faith. Um, and nonetheless, here's what the Bible actually has to say about this early church in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. The subject of their devotion was what? What did they dedicate? What did they devote themselves to? Well, ultimately, and this is almost always the right answer if you are old school Sunday school kid. Jesus is almost always the right answer. And ultimately, what are they devoted to? What is the devotion to? It is actually to Jesus first because that is what the apostles taught. And Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. Now this is the important part for you and I. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the teaching of the apostles is whom they preached. They preached Christ crucified. Christ who is the power and the wisdom of God. Jesus, then, is the primary subject of the apostles' teaching, and therefore Jesus is the primary subject of what the early church devoted themselves to. I just want to make this clear. The power of Christ in God and the wisdom of Christ in God. Now, unfortunately, the voice, if you're anything like me or most of the people that I know, the voice that you tend to listen to more than any other is the one in your own head. And that voice can say some interesting things. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones was the pastor of Westminster Chapel for 30-some years. An interesting man of God. And he is known to have said this. Um, the fact is we often... Oh, so sorry, I'm missing... Here it is. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? The voice in our head can be an interesting thing to wrestle with. I don't know about you, but in my life, it often is uh, condemning. It, it tends to push down, not lift up. I know a few people in this world who I'm certain the voice in their head is constantly telling them they're the most amazing person in the world. Um, one of them might be one of my sons. And I think that's great. I love positive self-confidence, and we all should have that. But I think there are many times when that internal voice in us gets down on us, and we need to learn some things from God's Word, some principles of devotion. One that comes to mind is, is David the psalmist wrote, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was within me. There are men of God in the Bible, all through Scripture, who knew to talk themselves into the right way of thinking. This is an act of devotion, an act of meditation, an act of purposeful thinking to bring us to a specific place in how we view the world. 
You see, just like your phone or TV, you have many options as to what you want to watch and listen to. There are many channels. There are many uh, YouTube options. There are, there, there are things everywhere. There's styles and interpretations of thousands of kinds of music and movies all at your disposal. And what often happens is, is we stop listening to the right things and unknowingly we become devoted to ways of thinking that are not in alignment with God's word. We often stop saying and doing the right things and find ourselves filled with hopelessness instead of hope for the future. Unfortunately, we forget that first of all, everything that I say, I hear, I do, everything first is witnessed by me. And so the voice that you speak to yourself within your head may become one of the most important voices you need to control in your whole existence. It's actually one of the reasons that we're warned to watch out for those who want to talk endlessly outside of the vision. In 1 Timothy 1.3-7, it says this, As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation, rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make their confident assertions. This still happens in our world today. And you don't have to go very far on the internet to find people who are willing to share all kinds of very confident opinions about many, many different things. I just want to remind you that one of the most important voices you need to hear is that in your local church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your pastor, the Holy Spirit. The things that we gather together corporately hearing from God's word are among the most important things we need to focus on to keep us on track. Because when we step outside of the purpose and the call and the vision of the local church, which is the hope of the world, which is called to spread the gospel to every nation, we begin to get bogged down in all kinds of side issues that are really non-essential issues. So when you watch depressing things or you have depressing conversations or you find yourselves in argumentative relationships all the time because you are not someone who's in love with debate, your news feed, your all the things. You're not devoted to the right thinking on the right subjects. And you will find that you are bogged down in time and that you experience hopelessness in a way that is totally stealing life. It's, it, it is the, the antithesis of what is life-giving in every situation. So if you pay too much attention to the divisive themes in your spiritual feed, you will, as a result, begin to feel hopelessness. I want to remind you at this point that Jesus identifies with every weakness that we could ever have. And that includes the sense of hopelessness we can find when we are just depleted and run down and run out. The thing about Jesus is, is not only does he identify with hopelessness, but he actually knows how to overcome it. Keeping the end in mind, knowing that the battle is already won, let's consider a few more things from the Bible. 
2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I need you to know that taking a thought captive is an act of spiritual warfare. Because when a thought that is not aligned with God comes into your mind, you need to know that was an act of war from the enemy of your soul. So when we take thoughts captive, when we use the weapons of our warfare, which are divine and powerful for the destruction of fortunes, what are we talking about? We're talking about intellectual strongholds. We're talking about emotional strongholds. We're talking about uh, powers that need to be subdued in the spiritual realm. And you are an overcomer. In fact, the Bible says you're more than a conqueror because of Jesus. But where does the knowledge and the resolve to make war, to take thoughts captive, come from? Well, it, has, it comes from, from two places. It comes from first what has been provisioned in you by God. For we have received everything, the Bible says, pertaining to life and godliness. But it also comes from what you provision yourself with. You see, when we take a thought captive, it literally means to ensnare it as an act of war, to take it by spear point. In fact, taking captive, the root word in the Greek, it all goes back to this root word in Greek, which means spear. So when we have the discipline, the resolve, when we have the energy, the resource, the strength to take a thought captive, I want you to think about where does it, where does it come from? Well, the answer is really simple. It's linked to your devotion. Because the object of your devotion or the subject of your devotion has this miraculous power to change you into a reflection of what it is. And this bears true whether things are good or bad in your life. A man addicted to pornography who has devotion, who is devoting time into that, into that lost fantasy, that begins to be a reflection of his expectation in life or her. When we are submitting ourselves to anger and violence and watching things that are not good for us, we begin to become a reflection of those things because that is the power of devotion. It's like when we fix our intent, our, 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 when we fix our gaze with intensity or intently on something, we can't help but begin to reflect it. The old saying was what? Monkey see, monkey do. So the objects of your devotion will change you to reflect what they are. Devotion is to provision like air is to breath. If you want to have godly provision in your life, you absolutely, first of all, must devote yourself to someone. But then in the process of that devotion to someone who, of course, is Jesus, in the process of that devotion, as you breathe in and breathe out the reality of his presence and who he is, you begin to become a reflection of the object or the subject of your devotion. So, you need to let the word of God dwell richly within you.
Colossians 3, 12 to 17 says this, another one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It says, So those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Now, listen to this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Now, listen even more carefully. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. If devotion is to provision what air is to breath, and you want to have provision in your life to fight the good fight of faith, to run the race with endurance, to be an overcomer, to be more than a conqueror, in short, to be everything that God is calling you to be, you must, Stake your life in devotion to something. You must stake your life in devotion to the person of Jesus. You must devote yourself to time in his presence. You've got to devote yourself to time in worship. You've got to devote yourself to time in God's word. Without these things, there can be no provision for your life. In fact, outside of that, the only thing you will be doing is making provision for the lusts of the flesh. And then you'll be filled with hopelessness once again. Just a practical thing you might want to try. The first 15. The first 15 of every day, what do you do? Do you get up? Do you brush your teeth first? Do you kiss your wife first? Depends if she cares about you brushing your teeth, I suppose. But what do you do with your first 15? What, what about this? If you struggle with finding a place to devote time to God. Why not start with the first things? The first 15 of tomorrow. Why don't you get up, take the first five minutes of your day and spend it reading God's word? Just five minutes. And then take the next five minutes and pray. Offer him thanks. Come to him with thanksgiving. And then the last five of your first 15 minutes of the day, why don't you worship? And that might mean you audibly pray and say, God, thank you. It might mean that you turn on a worship CD and you it might mean you pick up a guitar or sit down at a piano. It doesn't matter to me. It only is going to matter to you. But if you would take the first 15 and just try something new, I want to tell you, I, I want to promise you, I want to assure you of something. That as you devote, as you become devoted to him, you will find that you are stacked with provision for your day. Because devotion is to provision as air is to breathing. One of the most important things you will ever do. You see, you let him become the subject of your devotion, your roots will go deeper. Your well will become deeper. Your character will become more like his because as you are devoted to him, you will begin to take on the reflection of who he is. I want to leave you today with a song. 
This is an old song that uh, for many, many years, I, I don't know how many times I sang this song to the Lord in his presence and let the words of the song speak to my heart from his heart. This song is written out of a passage in the Bible. And um, it might be the song, maybe you want to play this song, you want to find it, maybe you want to make this a part of your first 15. But uh, in this moment as we wait on the Lord, as we ask him what he wants to say to us and we do all the things we normally do in closing a service, I just want you to let the worship and the words of this song penetrate your soul and let it, let it begin to change how you think about what God wants from your life. I suppose I could preach a whole sermon just on this one song. but Let's just pray together. Father, as we have heard from your word today, God, I pray that we would be stirred by your Holy Spirit to a new sense of needing devotion to you in our lives. And Lord, we always take the time and give you the opportunity to speak to us. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to take away from what we've heard today? Just speak to us in this moment. Cry of my heart. 
15 of your day. Start with the word, then five minutes of prayer, and five minutes of worship. You will find yourselves living in a new provision because the principle of devotion will change your life and you will begin to reflect Jesus. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.